Hey, welcome to the online ministry at Coastal Community Church. I want to thank you so much for checking us out, and we're so grateful that these sermons online are benefiting uh, your spiritual growth. Uh, but one of the things we have a deep conviction of at Coastal Community Church is that you're a part of a local church. And so uh, while we want these sermons to supplement your spiritual growth, we also want to encourage you to find a local church. So if you're in our community, we'd love for you to visit us. Check us out. We're on 101 Village Avenue in Yorktown, and uh, we have three service times on Sunday morning that you can see if you can be a part of our community. The service times are 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and so we'd love for you to visit us. Um, when you visit us this summer, we're going to be doing a, a new series called One, and uh, we're going to be taking our church body through uh, the letter of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that Paul writes a letter to the church of Corinth. And the letter is written because Paul is horrified to find out that this church is not unified together as a body um, to make Jesus Christ famous in their community. And I find that interesting because we we live in a culture where I think sometimes we're uh, shocked when a church is working in unity. And so that's what we want to be, a coastal community church. We want to be a church that works in unity uh, so that we can better uplift the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So I hope you'll join us for this new series as we go through 1 Corinthians. The series is called One. So church, great to see you this morning. Do me a favor, if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 35, get your bulletin out. There's a follow along with me. You can follow along with me, take some notes. I would encourage you to do just that. And, uh, and this morning's a special morning. It's a unique morning. And I want to take a moment to make maybe a little bit of a, a lengthier announcement. You know, we've been doing this series called One, and we've been, we've been talking about how it requires unity in the church where we pull our time, talent, and treasure, and uni we're unified together. Uh, for the glory of God and to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, yesterday I was uh, out in the community and I had someone come up to me and I'm like, man, your church is really doing great stuff. And, and this, my, kind of my standard answer is, well, well, the church is the people, right? And I said, man, we, ha and we have some amazing people that serve the Lord with all that they are. And, and I really believe that. And so, you know, if, if you're serving somewhere, man, just thank you so much. You know, we, it, it requires every person. In fact, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians uses the language that we're one body and, and together we function to bring fame to Christ. And so today is our involvement fair. So do me a favor, get this out, all right? Uh, uh, get this card out of your bulletin. And uh, I just want to encourage you and challenge you, if, if you're not involved or you are involved, then there's some room in your calendar uh, to find a place to serve as one body the, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the glory of our heavenly Father, serve as local church. You know, the local church is called the bride of Christ. We're, we're Christ's bride, and there's a place for you to serve. And so I'm gonna, gonna try to get you out of here a few minutes early this morning, and, and the goal of that is not just for you to rush home, but the goal is for you to find a place of service, to be involved, okay? So uh, on, the, on the card with the flap, uh, there is, there's a map and a, and a listing of all of the places that you can be involved at Coastal Community Church. If you're like, man, I'd like more information about that, we have a map and we have tables set up on the hallway outside, okay? And there's a number corresponding to the various ministries. And if you want more information, you can go talk to someone, say, hey, what are some ways maybe specifically I could be involved in these various ministries? 
I guarantee you, uh, almost in every ministry, let's say you're passionate about children, but you don't like teaching, there's a place to be involved, okay? Let's say we've been talking about this with ESL classes. Well, I don't speak another language. You don't have to. There's places to be involved. The list goes on and on and on, okay? So find a place to be involved, okay? And then the second sheet, here's how you let us know, okay? The second sheet uh, or card, we want you to fill out your information, okay, uh, with your name, your email, and your phone number so we can contact you. And then we want you on the back of it to circle what ministry you want to be involved with, okay? And then there's boxes out there. There's boxes at the door, or you can turn it in at the welcome desk. You fill this out. You drop in one of the boxes, and we will be in contact with you shortly, okay, to get you involved, all right? Because we really need you. This church doesn't function unless you serve somewhere. So at the end of the service, do me a favor. Go out there. Find a place to be involved. Bethany, am I forgetting anything? You're going to need to be in here all three services because you know I'll forget something. So anyway, um, just kidding. So anyway, fill that out. Find a place to be involved and serve the Lord, first of all, which we're going to look at here this morning, and then serve one another uh, in the local church. There is a place for you. All right, let's jump in this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, we're bringing this letter to a close. Uh, We've called this series one. Paul's written to this church in a city called Corinth. And uh, they were disunified, and Paul was trying to teach them to bring them together in unity for the good of the gospel. And so chapter 15 is really the highlight, the pinnacle of what Paul is teaching them, focusing them on the resurrection of Christ. And so last week, Pastor Andrew just did a, a great job of doing the first part of this chapter of the importance of the bodily resurrection of Jesus. It's, it's the linchpin of, of all of Christianity. And he did an awesome job. And so, you know, one of the things that it allows me to do when Pastor Andrew or Pastor Joey preaches, it, it gives me an opportunity to, to sit in corporate worship with my family, which I I don't, I don't get to do very often. And so uh, last week in the third service, we all sat together in one row back there somewhere, and it was incredible. And I was, I was just basking in that moment, you know, sitting there with my wife and my 11-year-old daughter, and we were singing, and I was just singing at the top of my lungs, enjoying the corporate worship, enjoying it with my family. That night, we got home, and we did family devotions together. And at the end of the devotions, my daughter, who, who's super tender-hearted, just a very tender-hearted young lady, she turns to my wife as if I'm not sitting there, and she says, Mama, did, did you hear Daddy singing this morning? And she goes, yeah, why, honey? She goes, I felt so sorry for those people in front of us. <laughs> like, I'm sitting right here. Like, I'm not out of the room, you know? So if that was you, I apologize. I was just enjoying the moment, all right? Uh, so thank you, Pastor Andrew, for letting me enjoy that time with my family. I don't, any of you, are any of y'all gardeners? Any gardeners in here? Any farmers in here? I, you know, it's, it's rare to find somebody that farms anymore. But uh, you know, when I grew up, my my uh, my grandmother owned a farm actually, and uh, and my grandfather, and then uh, my mom. When and when we were growing up, we had a. We had about an acre-sized garden, and so we used to grow a lot of our own food, and uh, she grew everything. I mean, if if you name a a food almost, we probably grew it, squash, string beans, asparagus, corn, 
all kinds of berries. You know, we would can and freeze things. And, and uh, you know, I remember in the summer tapping string beans endlessly so that we could can them. And, and, but one of the things that was always fascinating for me was the planting season, right? You would get those, those dead, dried seeds and you would place them in the ground. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, right? But the miracle of putting a dead seed in the ground, in dirt, right? You take something dead, you put it in dirt, and with enough water and sunshine, what happens? It births something, right? Something comes to life. I mean, with a corn, one little dried kernel of corn placed in the ground grows a huge corn stalk that most corn stalks produce one or two ears of corn that in return produce somewhere between eight and 1,200 kernels of corn per ear. One dead, corn st- one dead corn seed, boom, produces 800-fold what you place in the ground. And I use that illustration because that's the illustration that Paul gives us here in 1 Corinthians 15. And as I was piecing this sermon together, man, I was just so encouraged by what Paul was drawing our attention to. And he's drawn, and so last week he drew our attention to the, to the bodily resurrection of Jesus. And then he reminds us because Jesus bodily rose from the grave, we too, as believers, will one day bodily raise from the grave. And, this, and, he, and, he, and he spends some time on what this glorified body will look like and be like and how it will function. And he reminds us that this glorified body is going to produce, you know, you put a dead seed in the ground, man, it produces 800 fold. So the glorified body will be. And so a couple of things I want you to see this morning before I let you out, here, out of here and be, you know, join, find a place to serve, okay, in the involvement fair. Paul says, point one, he was reminding the Corinthians, of course, the dead are raised. And how do we know? Nature itself reminds us this is true. You know, I, I don't, I'm just speculating here, okay? I'm, I, don't, I don't like to venture into the mind of God. But what if, what if God made crop growing the way he did and it was less about producing crops and more about teaching us the resurrection? Did you ever think of that? The way things happen in life, I think sometimes they have illustrations beyond what we can even imagine. And so the plant world, Paul says, is illustrating for us that death leads to life. We see it all the time. We see it every day as you look around at green things that are growing. We know that it took something dying first. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35, but some will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body do they come you foolish person, what, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is, is not the body that is to be, but it's a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. Paul says, look, the, the plant world already illustrates the resurrection. It takes something to die first before something new springs to life. And the second thing he says is, because so, this may answer a question for you. Sometimes I'll get this. Hey, pastor, you think, I'll, you think I'll recognize my loved ones when I get to heaven? You know, we know each other. My, my suspicion is yes, and it's from this, right? That there's continuity between the seed that is planted and the resurrected body, according to the Apostle Paul. In other words, you don't, you don't plant a corn kernel in the ground and it springs forth with watermelons, 
right? I mean, it's, it's each seed as unto its own. And Paul says this in verse 38, but God gives it a body as he has chosen each kind of seed, its own body for not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. In other words, each seed that is planted will, will spring up life as unto its own. The third thing I want you to see is that there's a difference between the resurrected body, but even though there'll be differences, they'll all be amazing. We're going to get a glorified body. Now, I know some of you are looking at me right now and saying, Pastor Sean, do you already have your glorified body? No, I know it looks fantastic, okay? But it's just kidding. All right. Doesn't look as good as it used to. I can tell you that. Yesterday, I was, um, we were helping somebody in the church move and we got to the washer, you know, that's always the most awkward thing to move, and we had to disconnect the hoses, okay? So let me, let me just draw the picture for you, okay? There was me, there was Pastor Joey, there was Jordan who was playing the guitar, there was our middle school director, and there was our, our uh, children's director's husband, okay? There was a tremendous amount of education standing around that, okay? I mean, a couple doctorates, a couple master's degrees, right? And not a single one of us could loosen the hoses with our bare hands. And I said, who put these hoses on? And we found out it was Jeff Fry, our maintenance director. And I was like, man, I need you. We had to get a tool of what he put on by hand, right? And I was like, Lord, I need my glorified body now. I need some strong, I need some strength. Bunch of wimps, all right? So here we go, right? The difference, there'll be different resurrected bodies, but they're all gonna be amazing. Verse 40. There are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly body is of one kind. The glory of the earthly is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars differ from stars in their glory. In other words, all the heavenly bodies, all resurrected bodies are gonna be glorious, but there's gonna be different versions of glorious, right? And you know that to be true, right? I mean, obviously the sun is the brightest of the heavenly bodies and, and the moon is dimmer. Actually, the moon reflects the light of the sun. Yet there's times you look at the the moon, and you go, man, that's incredible. It's not the sun glorious, but man, it's got its own glory unto itself. There's times you drive out into the mountains and you see the stars, and that's different than the moon, which is different than the sun, but you look at the stars, you're like, wow, man, that's just incredible. And, and the glorified body that we as believers will have, we're all, it'll be different, but we'll go, wow, that's amazing. And so I want to encourage you with this, and I want to encourage you with the gospel, and I want to encourage you to take the gospel. To those that don't know the Lord. In fact, let me encourage you, if you're here this morning and you're a believer and you have a circle of influence of family members or friends, man, you are on mission. Don't get to a family or a friend's funeral service and at least know, man, I did all that I could to share the gospel with this person. Whether they receive it or not is unto themselves. But man, we have to be the mouthpiece of the gospel because the Bible's very clear. We are created to live for eternity. It's just a matter of where. And right now Paul's talking to Christians and saying where and how you're gonna live for eternity. But listen, we need to have a passion for lost people to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the things, I'm beginning to say this more and more, the older I get, we're not heavenly minded enough. We're too consumed with the things of the world. Listen, you get 60 or 80 or 90 years and that's it. And it's forever and ever, billions of years of existence. And the dividing line is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now the good news is for a Christian, right? 
A funeral is not a goodbye, it's a planting. That's what Paul's teaching us, right? It's a bodily planting of the body that one day will be raised to glorious resurrection of a glorious body that will live forever and ever. The second thing I want you to see out of this text this morning is that Paul reminds us that while these old earthly bodies will wear out, our resurrected bodies will be built to last for all eternity. You're gonna, be, you're gonna get a, a body that's, that's built to last forever. And there's four things I think Paul points out here about the, the, the resurrected body. Number one is durable. The new body you get's gonna be durable. Paul says this in verse 42. So, so, it, so, it, so is it with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown perishable? So once you see this planting illustration for the believer, what is sown perishable will be raised imperishable. It's gonna be durable. Like I remember when my kids, and for those of you who have young children, and, and, and they'll get to that age where their mind begins to contemplate and they begin to, to, to reason about greater things. And I remember when my kids got to that age and they, each of them, it was a different year, but they began to ask things like, dad, talk to me about like, what is, what is eternity? I'm trying to get my head around forever and ever and ever. And I'm like, man, I, I can't even explain that myself. And ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And our glorified bodies are going to be made in such a way that they will be durable for eternity. Isn't that amazing? So here's what that means. It's not going to wear out. The, the, the glorified body's not going to wear out. There's not going to be any sickness. For those of you who are here this morning and you're wrestling with a sickness or a pain or you just got the, uh, the word that you're battling cancer or you just buried a loved one or the list goes on and on and you're grieving the wearing out of this body, the glorified body is durable. There'll never be a doctor's appointment. Isn't that Amazing. And it's going to be pain-free and it's going to be disease-free and there won't be any brokenness and it's going to live forever and ever and ever and ever. It's incredible. I can't wait. The second thing Paul says is there's, there's going to be this realized potential. This body that we sow, verse 43, that's sown in dishonor is going to be raised in glory. There's going to be life where there was death. There's going to be beauty where there was brokenness. There's going to be glory to, to, to the resurrected body as God had always intended. It's going to be realized potential. It's going to be realized ability, verse 43. It was sown in weakness, and it was raised in power. Right? The thi- maybe there's some things in your heart. I, listen, I don't want to speculate too much, but maybe there's some things in your heart that you wish you could do, but man, is the body you have now. Like maybe, I'm just hoping, maybe when I get to heaven, I'll be able to sing. Uh, carry a note. Wouldn't that be great? For the people in front of me, it would be great, okay? So, like the glorified body will be given the full strength to carry out all that God has willed for that person. And the desires inside of you in the glorified body will be in line with the character of God and then they'll be doable. We'll be, we'll be given a new existence in the glorified body. What was sown in the natural will be raised spiritual, Paul says, verse 44. He says it's sown a natural body and it's raised, 
It has raised the spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Now, the idea here is not that there's not a physical body. There will be some form of physical body, but it's, the idea is that the new body will be able to carry out all that the Holy Spirit wants us to do. I want you to think about that for a minute, right? Do you ever get frustrated as a believer that you, know, you read the word or you get a conviction and, and man, it's hard to change, isn't it? Kind of Romans 7 stuff. I don't know if you know Romans 7 where Paul's kind of like, man, the things I want to do, I'm not doing. And the things I don't want to do, I continue to struggle with. And one of the things I love about the idea of heaven for me is that the, the struggle with sin will be over. I can't wait for that. And some of you in here, you know, every time I preach on certain particular sins, like you get weighted down because it's your constant temptation. And you wonder, man, when will I be free of it? Maybe it'll be this life. And maybe, but maybe in this life, it's just going to be a constant struggle. But in heaven, you will be free from that temptation. Isn't that great news? So I got some of those. We all do. I got some of those. I can't wait to be free. The glorified body is going to be fully responsive to the work of the Holy Spirit. I can't wait for that. Because in Christ, and so going back to last week, Christ is the first fruits of a great harvest. And so this is why the gospel is important. It's why, you know, we're born into Adam who was made of dust, Paul says. But we need through the gospel and the deposit of the Holy Spirit, we're now connected to the second Adam, Christ And so the first Adam, Paul says, in point three, ties us to the dust of the earth, but the second Adam ties us to heaven, where God is taking us. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. It is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man, meaning Adam, was from the earth, a man made of dust. I had this, uh, I'm weird, okay? So if you didn't know that, I'm super weird, and um, my mind does weird things. And so um, my son has a, a part-time job where he cuts, he mows a couple uh, local cemeteries. And the man that he works with uh, needed some help this week, so I jumped in and helped Saturday, Friday and Saturday, and and uh, we mowed this cemetery, and and this is where I get weird. Like cemeteries don't weird me out, and they don't scare me; they remind me, right? And I, I was probably too slow because I literally almost wanted to stop at every headstone. I, I read headstones, and I wonder about that person. And there were headstones from the 1800s. I'm like, what? I wonder. I wonder what they did. I wonder. What impact they made in their life. I wonder, wonder if anybody around still remembers them. Those are the things that go through my head. And, and these headstones, they, they covered the gamut of ages. I mean, there was some people that lived to be 90, because I'm doing the math as I'm mowing, you know, that one, that person. There were some that were children, very difficult. Some that were teenagers, and there were some in their 20s. There's some that looked like they died in some of the wars that we fought as Americans, there was some that served our country, some that served in the community, some that died in their 50s. It's all the decades. And as I was mowing, I was thinking, how is it that we think that this stuff isn't true? 
Because every one of us goes the way of the first Adam. (laughs) Every single one of us. We return to the dust. And one of the things that I guess, I think we've, we've anesthetized ourselves to in our culture is we don't, we, we really, you go into a third world country or other cultures, death is kind of, you touch it a little more real than we do in our culture, right? And we kind of put it far away from us and we don't talk about it much, you know? And, and, and I think it's important because I think you need to contemplate your physical reality, That every one of us gets this kind of this planting of being placed in the ground and then that's it. And I think one of the things by maybe anesthetizing ourselves to death too much is that, that we, um, we don't consider our mortality and therefore we don't consider our, what comes next and therefore we're not giving enough consideration to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul makes it clear, listen, we're all tied to the first Adam, the first man was from the earth, a man of dust. But here's the good news. The second man, verse 47, he's from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born in the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. In other words, when you repent of your sin and you believe in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, you get a deposit of the Holy Spirit and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you, which gives you the benefits of the man from heaven. Isn't that amazing? And I guess that's why when I read this, man, I just got chills. I'm like, thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because one day you're going to put me in the ground. I'll be some tombstone and I'll list the dates that I was alive. But man, I'm tied to the man of heaven. And when he returns, I'm going to get the glorified body. It's going to be forever and ever and ever. And it's going to display all the glories of Christ that he originally intended for me. That sin marred and scarred and broke and all that. Man, it's going to be glorified as God originally intended. Isn't that great news? Romans chapter 8, we see this picture, right, where Paul says, man, when we become, we become fathers of Jesus Christ, we become adopted children of our heavenly Father. If, if children, right, then heirs. I want you to think about that. You're, you're going to inherit the things of God. He's your heavenly Father. I mean, most people, when they pass, they, they pass their, in their will, what do they, who do they pass on to? They're children, right? I mean, if any of y'all want to write me in, fantastic. I'd be glad to be an heir. But most of us, it's our children, right? And so when we become a Christian, we, 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 we're adopted into God's family and we inherit the blessings of God, which are what? They're in Christ, heirs of God. Verse 17 of Romans 8, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. In other words, of course life is hard. Christ knew all the sufferings of humanity. Hebrews tells us that. We have a great high priest, knows all the things we've gone through, right? But assuming we go through this life and we keep our eyes focused, our faith connected to Christ, where we see the, by grace through faith, we receive all the blessings in Christ. And so God's gonna bless his son, Christ, and all of us that are adopted in will receive the blessings that Christ, it's an incredible thought, And so we get the reward of the second Adam, not just the reward of the first Adam, which is death and separation from God. And so Christ, when he returns, 
will swallow up the perishable. Christ will swallow up the perishable. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Paul finishes, finishes, he's bringing this to a conclusion. He says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, Paul says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. So in other words, Paul's saying we need these new bodies in order to inherit eternal life. Now, Paul here is, this is where the, the illustration of the seed kind of runs out, right? Because Paul, is, uh, he's addressed the planting for those who die. But what about when Christ returns and those who haven't died, okay? And so Paul is saying, yes, those, even those who don't die when Christ returns will receive a new body. It will happen in a twinkling of an eye when Christ returns. And so Paul re- reminds that when Christ returns, some, even those who have not died, will be changed. Now, let me, let me chase a little bit of a rabbit trail because some of you are probably going, man, I'm a little bit confused. What? Well, so let me, here's what I'm going to attempt to answer, okay? I'm going to attempt to answer the question here on the rabbit trails. What happens to a believer when they die? Okay, what happens? Okay, so, and so uh, the Bible actually doesn't say a whole lot. And so I don't want to tread, I don't want to go into where the Bible doesn't speak to. But here's my understanding. Some, some theologians don't like this term, okay? I like it, okay? I think it helps give me some handles on what happens. But I want to talk briefly about this thing called the intermediate state. So what happens when we die, all right? So here we are, three things I want you, I want you to highlight. When a believer dies, they go to be with Christ and this is better than life here in the flesh. So whether you're a dichotomous or a trichotomous, there's a debate about that. Okay, some, our spirit goes to be with Christ. Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says this in verse 21. He's having this, this he, he kind of get his mind, he, he's debating in his mind about what to do, right? He's probably, probably persecuted and he, he has some options to fight or not fight, right? And so he says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is what, church? It's gain. So whenever I preach that, right, people are like, I thought you said to die is gain, and it is. Verse 22, if I'm alive in the, if, or if I am to live in the flesh, that means it's fruitful labor for me. So in other words, you know, Paul says, as long as I'm in the flesh, I'm here to serve, Involvement fair today, okay? So anyway, uh, as long as I'm in the flesh, I'm here to serve. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. And in verse 23, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with who? Christ, right? Desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. So when a believer dies, their spirit goes to be with Christ. And so, number two, when a believer dies, there's no loss of consciousness, nor is there a soul sleep. I'm trying to address some of the false teachings that are out there, but rather a time for a believer to look forward to and to rejoice. Okay, so we sometimes use the language that they're asleep. We're ta- at that point, we're referring to the body, but not the person, their being, their soul, or their spirit, okay? It goes to be with Christ. How do we know? Verse 2 Corinthians verse 5, 8, Paul addresses this in a second letter to the Corinthians. Yes, We are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and where? Home with the Lord, okay? So there's kind of this 
departing of the physical body and it gets planted, okay? But the existence of the person, a Christian, goes to be with the Lord. Paul said this, I'm, I'm sorry, Jesus said this to the thief on the cross. Remember the thief on the cross? There's two thieves, one's mocking Christ, the other actually becomes a believer, Acknowledges the sin, acknowledges the person and work of Jesus. And here's what Jesus says to that thief in Luke 23, 43. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, what? What's he say? Today, right? There, he's dying on the cross. So today you will be with me in paradise. And so the believer goes to be with Christ. Yet, and here's what I mean by the intermediate state, okay? Yet we are also waiting for the return of Christ Number three, where we as believers will be given a glorified body. That's all we just talked about at that time, okay? 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him, this is the return of Christ, those who have fallen asleep. That's the body. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord that we who are alive, we who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Again, he's not talking about the soul. He's talking about the body, glorified body. Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him who raised, and this is where we, we've referenced this a lot in our teaching at Coastal, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your what? Mortal bodies, okay, a glorified body, mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. And so here's the point. When a believer dies, we know they go to be with the Lord, but we also are eagerly waiting the return of Christ. We're waiting for the day that Christ returns and we receive our glorified body, okay? What happens between then? I'm not entirely sure. Paul can't wait to go there, that I know, okay? He says, man, I eagerly go to be with the Lord, all right? And so now let me conclude this sermon, bring this to a conclusion this morning, okay? Here we go. 1 Corinthians 15. This is, to me, is one of the most inspirational verses of the Scripture. When life gets hard, when you're struggling, and Paul even struggled in Philippians, man, to go home, be with the Lord would be better for me. I stay because I want to further the gospel, essentially, is what he said in Philippians 1. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, and by the way, this is an amazing verse to end this unbelievable text about the resurrection of Christ and having glorified bodies, being heavenly minded. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. And so your labor, church, because Christ raised from the dead and because we're gonna get glorified bodies and because there will be heavenly reward. And by the way, and maybe this comes from the participation trophy group, okay? Uh, like uh, there's, I've heard teachers say, man, we shouldn't strive for the reward. Eh, wrong. We are to look to our heavenly reward. We're to be heavenly minded and thinking. Why? Because the Bible says God sees and God will reward. And so we can serve tirelessly. And you can even serve without any thanks. I know, listen, I get it. Like Coastal's a big church. You may be going, man, I've been serving this ministry. Not one time has the preacher come by and said, thank you to me. So let me just say this to all of you. Thank you. Okay. But that's if that's what you're striving for, that's all you're going to get. I've got way better news for you. When you're serving the Lord, you're serving his church, 
God sees and God says, I'm going to reward. And how long is the reward going to last? Forever and ever and ever and ever. My thank you, that's all you just got, right? But God's going to take care of you forever. Isn't that amazing? You've never done anything for the cause of the gospel that God hasn't seen and God isn't going to reward. So check this out. Paul says, I want you because of this, because there's a resurrection, because there's an eternity, because you're going to live forever and ever and ever with a glorified body. Listen, as you're serving, be steadfast. It literally means be seated, be firmly committed. Be firmly committed to your faith and be firmly committed to your ministry. And be immovable. The word immovable means don't be so easily shaken. Some of you are in this room and listen, the truth is when it comes to Christianity, you're, you're, you're too worldly minded. And so you kind of got one foot in and one foot out and you kind of go to school or you go into the workplace and, and this faith thing gets shaken and you get influenced by the world and you wonder, man, do I really need to pursue purity? Do I really need to serve? Do I really need to give my money away? I mean, do I really need to do all this stuff? Here's why you're wrestling. You're not heavenly minded enough. You're too influenced by the things that aren't going to last. Be immovable. And the reason we can be immovable is because Jesus rose from the dead. Always, Paul says, abounding in the work of the Lord. Listen, there's, there's no retirement for believers. That's okay. I think it's okay if you want to pursue retirement from your workplace, I guess. But, but as a believer, there's no Man, I'm, I'm out. I did my piece. Let the, let the young people do it. I'm out. I've been doing it for 20 or 30 or however many years. There's no retirement. There's a, there's a rock solidness to a believer. Today's our involvement fair. Can I be honest? Some of you have checked out. Listen, your journey as a believer is not to just sit in a straight row and face forward and then leave going, man, that made me feel better. It's part of it, corporate worship, you know, encouraging believers through the word, through singing together, it's part of it, but that's, that's just, just a small part. To be involved, we're to minister for the good of the gospel, we're to minister to one another, we're to use our gifts and our talents and our passions to further the gospel of Jesus Christ with this in mind. Our heavenly Father sees and he'll reward. Our labor's not in vain. Paul says, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, authenticating his claims over sin and death. Therefore, his future promises are true. Therefore, you can persevere because your labor's not in vain. So let me give you a couple conclusions, right? A couple, let me make this really practical. Because Jesus Christ rose from the grave and because we will one day have glorified bodies, we will have an eternal reward and we should be heavenly-minded and so let me give you a couple examples, even difficult things. You're sitting here this morning and you're in a tough marriage. You're in a tough marriage where you serve your spouse and you serve your spouse's needs and your needs are rarely, if ever, met. Guess what? You can keep serving even for a lifetime because your labor is not in vain your heavenly Father sees, and your heavenly Father will reward. 
You're here this morning and parenting has grown difficult and you're wondering, man, am I making a difference with these children? Guess what? You can keep parenting with the goal of making a disciple because your labor is not in vain and there will be an eternal reward. Maybe there's a place this morning that you've been ministering in your church and it seems like you're making little or no impact with the people that you're serving. Nobody from the leadership has stopped by to say, hey, add a boy. Guess what? You can keep serving because your labor is not in vain. There will be an eternal reward. Maybe you're at your job and you hate your job. You get up every day and you trudge your way there and it's, it, it, the, the job is not fulfilling and it's not rewarding, but here's the deal. It provides for your family and it allows some financial margin in order to be generous with God. Guess what? You can keep working and you can keep serving your family and serving the Lord. Why? Because your labor is not in vain. There will be an eternal reward. I could go on and on and on, but here's the deal. We can be eternally minded because Jesus rose from the grave, assuring his promises to be true, and eternal life has been earned for us. Therefore, we can be assured that our life lived out as an act of worship to Christ is never in vain. Our God sees, our God rewards, even if no one else sees and no one else applauds your efforts, your labor is not in vain. Want to hear the applause of heaven? It's found in Matthew. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will be put you in charge of many. Forever and ever and ever and ever. Be steadfast. Be immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the resurrection. It gives us hope, gives us encouragement. It reminds us, God, you have not forgotten us. It reminds us, God, that we should be eternally minded. We're going to live with you because of Christ, with glorified bodies, for billions upon billions upon billions of years. And therefore, we can be immovable and we can be steadfast and we can be abounding in the work of the Lord. Thank you for that hope. Thank you for that promise. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.